Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. With an unprecedented surge in COVID-19 infections, officials in Los Angeles County are advising residents to avoid non-essential gatherings. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer speaking at yesterday's Board of Supervisors meeting. We're also asking that over the next few weeks, we all try to avoid non-essential activities where people are unmasked and in close contact with others. While we know how important getting together with friends is to our well-being, we need to be sure we're able to keep each other safe. The reality is that parties and events, especially those indoors with unvaccinated individuals or those at high risk for severe illness, make it very easy for this virus to spread. Ferrer notes that limiting or avoiding gatherings are only recommendations and that no new restrictions have put in place in L.A. County that might force larger events like next month's Super Bowl to be canceled. Meanwhile, in Sonoma County, a new public health order there takes effect today. It bans large gatherings over the next 30 days, limiting indoor events to 50 people and outdoor gatherings to 100. Officials in other Bay Area counties have said they will not be implementing new restrictions at this time. We asked Dr. Bob Wachter, chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco, on how he's treating this latest surge. For the next three or four weeks, what things do I really need to do that will almost inevitably expose me to people who have COVID? And what things can I cut out and not be particularly harmful to, uh, to my life? In Sacramento, Governor Newsom has maintained that he doesn't anticipate any new restrictions despite the rapid spread of the virus in the state. A single-payer health care bill passed its first legislative hurdle in Sacramento last night. It's one of two new proposals that would dramatically increase access to health care for Californians. But CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon says there are differences between the proposals. Governor Gavin Newsom this week said he wants to give universal access to health care by opening Medi-Cal coverage to all low-income residents, regardless of immigration status. It would apply to about a million undocumented people currently in a coverage gap, says Cal State Fullerton public health professor Shana Charles. So it wouldn't change anything about anybody's job-based coverage. It wouldn't change anybody's Medicare coverage. All of that would remain in place. Single payer, on the other hand, it would affect everybody. In the so-called CalCare plan, the state would pay for every resident's health care, eliminating private and government insurance programs. It's the type of system championed by progressives like Bernie Sanders, but on a state level. Newsom's expansion for undocumented workers would cost about $2.7 billion annually. 
It's unclear exactly how much a single-payer system would cost, but some estimates say it could raise taxes for businesses and wealthier earners by more than $160 billion. That tax increase would be enacted through a constitutional amendment, which means CalCare would require sign-off from the legislature, governor, and voters. An extremely high bar. For The California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. COVID-19 affected our mental health in ways we're only just beginning to understand. For some, the problems of the pandemic created an added layer of anxiety on top of an already deeply uncertain world. KPCC's Robert Garova explores how the pandemic has shaken the mental health of the undocumented community. Norma Ramirez entered the U.S. without legal authorization when she was five. She says growing up in Las Vegas, she always did really well in school. Then, Ramirez couldn't get into a college prep program because she didn't have a social security number. I grew up thinking that I could pursue anything that I wanted, and suddenly it was like, nope. Eventually, she did manage to get into college. Later on, she got temporary legal status through the Deferred Action for Child Arrivals Program, or DACA. When Ramirez went to work for an immigration nonprofit, she was so struck by the mental health struggles of undocumented people that she decided to make psychology her life's work. Ramirez sought help with her own mental health, too, but she went through three therapists, one of whom tried to give her legal advice. They also were like, you know, if you want to be a therapist, like, go to Mexico. Now, Dr. Ramirez is a clinical psychologist who works in the Northridge area, mostly with children. She says she's proud of being able to provide the culturally competent help she didn't get as a kid. Many of her clients are Latino and are in families with mixed immigration status. Ramirez says for many undocumented families, the pandemic became yet another worry in an already vulnerable existence, especially if the whole family isn't together in the U.S. Not being able to visit family if they are sick. I think it just makes the wounds deeper, you know, like can't even say goodbye or something like that. Ramirez was not immune to that stress. The continued uncertainty of the DACA program's future and finishing grad school during the pandemic took a huge emotional toll on her. Just overwhelmed with stress that Yeah, my body just was not responding the way it would have normally. Ramirez says she completely blocked out some of 2020 from her memory. She's not alone in her suffering. A national survey by an immigrant rights group found the majority of respondents said COVID-19 affected their emotional health. More people mentioned impacts to their mental health than they did to their physical health or financial situation. As an immigrant myself, I have to say, like, it doesn't surprise me. Juliana Macero do Nascimento is senior advocacy manager at United We Dream, which conducted the survey. Everything that has to do with COVID has an immigration component to it. If we lose our jobs, then, like, do we lose maybe a visa that we might have that's connected to it, right? If we get sick and we have to go to the hospital, will we be picked up? By Mental health concerns also rose to the surface in a survey last year of more than a thousand undocumented undergrads at California public universities. About one in three reported anxiety and or depression at a level that warranted clinical treatment. Mercedes Valadez is a professor at Cal State Sacramento and worked on the survey. A lot of these students live in homes where they don't have their separate bedroom, where they would be able to attend class virtually uninterrupted. A lot of these students had to take care of younger siblings or children. Valdez says she'd like to see colleges hire more counselors, especially ones familiar with issues that concern undocumented people. 
Dr. Melanie Dominesh Rodriguez is a psychology professor at Utah State University. She led the United We Dream study. Dominesh Rodriguez says it was heartbreaking for her to see the level of mental distress undocumented people were reporting. But she says there were some encouraging signs, too. There were a lot of strengths. And when we looked at people's coping styles, we see that people are using mostly pretty effective coping strategies. Those strategies included meditation, exercise, and binging Netflix, too. Juliana Macedo de Nascimento of United We Dream has also had to find ways to deal with life in the pandemic, especially as a DACA recipient waiting to find out if the program will survive. One of the biggest breakthroughs I've had in therapy was finally accepting and realizing that it's a completely reasonable and, and rational reaction to my circumstances to have anxiety and depression. It's not that there's anything broken inside me, she says. It's just my situation. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hundreds of thousands of Californians might lack access to safe drinking water. That's according to a recent study from UCLA and UC Berkeley. And the drinking water problem disproportionately affects communities of color. KCRW's Kaylee Wells has the details. The study tested water for nitrate, arsenic, and hexavalent chromium. They can cause cancer, and they're all commonly found in California. Turns out 370,000 Californians have high levels of those chemicals in their water, and nearly half of those people are relying on domestic well water. There's no requirement to test uh, domestic well water for the presence of chemicals. UCLA environmental health science professor Lara Cushing says a lot of Californians have no way of knowing if their water is safe. Most Groundwater access with a private well doesn't get treated like in a public drinking water system. Cushing also says the climate-induced drought makes the chemicals more concentrated and makes the water quality worse. Prior studies suggest more than a million people lack access to safe drinking water once you test for bacteria and other contaminants. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. Recently synonymous with supply chain problems, the ports of L.A. and Long Beach are now getting praise from the Biden administration. Visiting the ports yesterday, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said Southern California's ports saved the holidays for Americans. One of the reasons why Christmas was not, in fact, canceled is that ports like L.A. and Long Beach moved record levels of goods, allowing an all-time record high in terms of retail sales this holiday season. 
The Transportation Secretary's visit comes as the number of containers lingering at marine terminals continues to drop. But the aftermath of problems at the ports continues to echo across the state. Agriculture is one of the industries hit hardest by supply chain snarls. As we hear from Valley Public Radio's Carrie Klein, research shows that losses from so-called container geddon have reached into the billions. $2.1 billion to be exact. That's an estimate of how much California's ag industry lost in just four months of last year according to findings from a University of California research magazine. The reason? Bottlenecks at California ports, which have delayed exports of California-grown products and led foreign importers to find alternative suppliers. Roger Isom is the president of two local trade associations representing cotton ginners and tree nut processors. This is probably one of the most devastating things that's happened to the ag industry since I've been working. ISOM has been involved in ag for nearly three decades, and if California's ports don't expand their capacity, he worries ag could be in danger. Some of our customers are starting to wonder, is California going to be the solid supplier that they used to be? Yeah, I think that's a legitimate question right now. The research, published in December's UC Agricultural and Resource Economics update, estimates the tree nut industry alone has lost more than $500 million. For The California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Fresno. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, January 12th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Stanford Medicine protecting your health and providing defendable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.